Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Code. Again, Dr. Andrew Fix here with Physio Room, your one-stop shop for rehab, performance, and recovery. I'm really excited for this episode for you guys to get a chance to listen and learn a little bit from Jim Malloy, owner and president of Blue Collar Financial Advisors. So, uh, Jimmy, thanks for being here and hopping on the the podcast. Andrew, thank you for asking me, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to your podcast. I think it's important what you're doing out there in the industry, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for what's to come for you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, I appreciate when I asked you if you would would hop on here and talk about on this episode, you know, with, with your industry in financial advising, like, hey, can you kind of hop on here and talk about, talk with me about how financial wellness impacts, you know, people's overall health. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into health, but you were like, you jumped at it, right? You were like, absolutely. I would love to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, and you and I have talked in the past. I look, there's a lot of similarities between your industry and mine. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at a person's physical health and their overall wellness, their financial health is just as critical to that. Right. And a lot of times I use the analogy of, you know, people will always say, you know, Andrew, I'm going to come and see you after I lose 20 pounds and I get in a little bit better shape. Then I'll come and see, you know, what you have to offer. And I always hear, Jimmy, you know what? When I get some money, I'll come and see you. And the truth of the matter is they really need to come before that so that we can put a plan together to kind of get them to where they, they need to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah, perfect it, sense it to me. It really flows together, both of our industries. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I'll ask you a question here in a little while that okay. I think is going to get to maybe maybe why people do that. But um, but just so that our listeners know, can you fill me in a little bit on your background of, you know, where'd you come from? How did you wind up uh, in the financial advising role? And like, just tell me what led to you getting here today. Sure, no problem. Obviously, you can tell from my uh, speech impediment, <laughs> I am uh, originally not from Colorado. I uh, grew up in New York and uh, on Long Island, a little barrier island called Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was 20, I came out to Colorado on vacation. My stepsister was thinking of moving out here. I was going to school and working construction. And my dad said, hey, take a trip out. So I did. And I never went home. Yeah, I was out here. I met a few people. I actually got into the printing industry. Okay, and um, my sister didn't really make it. You know, she went back after a year or two, and 37 years later, I'm still out here. All my family is still back in New York. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I got here. Um, I like I said, I got involved in the printing industry, and from that, I ended up managing uh, a couple of shops here locally in Denver. From there, I got recruited to one of the largest financial printers in the country. It was called Merrill Corporation. There were three big ones. Uh, It was Merrill Corporation, R.R. Donnelly, and Bound Financial. And what I was to do was I was calling on publicly traded companies, large mutual funds, and uh, insurance companies 
and doing the things that most people don't read, the prospectuses. So I would file with the SEC mm-hmm. all of those documents and then distribute both domestically and internationally. Okay. And I was doing that for a number of years. It was a great career. We had, you know, large offices, the attorneys, the uh, everybody would converge in our office as they were doing a deal. Yeah. And very exciting. And, you know, I, we added a lot of value for those clients. But over time, what I saw with government regulations, the advent of technology and how all that was playing in, I didn't really see that I was going to be able to take that all the way through to retirement. Mm -hmm. And throughout my career, I was always being recruited over onto the advisory side, whether it be from wholesaling or to actually be an advisor, Mm -hmm. because it's a relationship business. Where I came from was relationships. What I do now is really relationship driven. So about nine years ago, I decided to, you know, when I was looking into the future, if you will, and I saw this was an opportunity for me to take my experience and bring it to the other side of the table and now work with the individuals versus the companies. And it's been a great transition. Yeah, it's interesting what you say is that, you know, it's a relationship business, because I think that is true for so many people. Like, I mean, I see that in our the healthcare industry. There's a lot of good doctors out there, whether you're talking about physicians, surgeons, um, you know, primary care, physical therapy, whatever. But when people talk about like really loving their provider, it's usually because of the non like, yep. you know, client care, patient care side. It's not how great of a doctor they are. It's their bedside manner. It's how personable they are or how much they relate to to the person. So I think that's very interesting, like what you're saying. And I kind of think of uh, myself as like kind of an advisor too. you're yeah. you're advising people's pocketbooks and their bank accounts and everything else, their plan. Well, I'm advising them as far as their body goes um, and how to take care of themselves from a body standpoint. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think like you said, there's a lot of similarities in our industries. I'm right there with you. Well, and you know, and you hit the nail on the head. There are a lot of good providers in your space and there are a lot of great uh, financial advisors out there. I I tell every uh, prospect or client that comes in, it really is your relationship with your advisor, right? Because Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about things that are personal to you. And if you're not comfortable with that person, you know, it's not going to work. You know, like, you know, fundamentally, a lot of the things are going to be the same, but it truly is that relationship and that building of trust over time. It's not like somebody comes into my office and they go, oh, I trust Jimmy. That's going to be something that's earned over time as we develop that relationship. And I'm sure it's similar in your world. Oh, totally. Especially with, you know, somebody comes in, they're injured. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, they're really looking to you like, can you help? And then, but we have to establish kind of that baseline trust factor to show them like, I know what I'm doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's the protocol. And then they start to see some change. And that really, you know, kind of gets the ball moving. Yeah, you're totally right. Because a lot of times, you know, when someone comes into our office, typically, um, you know, what I wish, I wish... um, medicine in this country had more of a preventative focus. Um, but that's just not quite where we are right now with the way the healthcare system is, uh, is established. It's much more reactive than proactive. Now we're trying to push the bounds on that at physio room and be more on that preventative side. But typically, you know, that, that aside, the thing that tends to lead people into our office is something's bothering them. And usually it hasn't been bothering them for a week. It's been bothering them for quite a bit longer and they're finally deciding to do something about it. So, so yeah, we need to try and develop that relationship and develop that trust on the front end so that, you know, we can actually help them with the problem because we're not going to be able to solve it 
that day in that one hour long appointment, it's, it would be impossible for us to address it fully right then and there. Just like if someone comes in your office, well, you can't, um, you know, you can't help them save for retirement by tomorrow. Yep. It, it's going to take some time unless, unless they fell into some extreme sum of cash that, yeah. you know, they won the lottery or something. But, um, but what I'm curious is, you know, in your industry now, what kind of age range or maybe not age range, maybe it has nothing to do with the number or what kind of like life position do you find people in that like they tend to come want to work with you or someone else as a financial advisor? Where are people in their life journey typically when on average they make that decision? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, the uh, the reality is, you know, in our industry, you get people talking about, oh, you should have minimums or really focus on who you want to work with. And it has been my philosophy since I started my practice that if somebody is going to be engaged in their financial future, I'm willing to take the time to work with them. Right. So, you know, sometimes ideally, you know, when you look at a demographic, right, you would say, oh, somebody between 35 and 65, mm -hmm. they have a lot of assets. Oh, that would be a perfect client. But the truth is, you know, somebody just starting out in their early 20s, to be able to give them the advice to open up maybe a Roth IRA, something to get them started for their saving for their future and really show them that over time, that is going to make a huge impact on the decisions and the lifestyle that they'll be able to lead all through their life, right? So even somebody starting out that's, you know, young and, you know, just getting, you know, just kind of starting out on that pathway, mm -hmm. if they're engaged, I'm engaged. And, you know, I really look at, Andrew, it's more the psychographic versus the demographic. And the reason I say that is, you know, somebody can come to me and, you know, they have, they have some issues that need to get resolved, right? And really with a financial plan, we're able to see where the gaps are, where, yeah. you know, um, kind of from an analytical standpoint, what's going on. But if they value advice, you know, that's going to be a good fit. Yeah. If somebody's going to come in, probably similar to you, you know, they're coming in asking you for help, but if they're going to tell you how to, how the PT is going to work, you know, that's probably not a great fit. And that's the same in my world. You know, if somebody's going to come in, ask for help, but then kind of tell me how to deliver that help that they they yeah. need, not a great fit. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And in every provider, you know, is just a little bit different. Uh, I absolutely love making decisions about people's health with them. Like I make like making decisions with the client, not for the client. But you're totally right in that, you know, if um if the person we're working with is like objecting to or having a, a question and they're just like really skeptical about every single step along the way, sometimes it, it'll feel like, you know, maybe they're not fully ready, you know, in that headspace to like, let's make this change. They're like kind of stuck in that, in that situation that they've been dealing with. Um, but then on the flip side, sometimes we'll have clients who, you know, we'll ask them questions about, well, what do you think about doing this? I, this particular treatment, I think this will help you out. And then their response is, hey, you're the doctor, whatever you say, let's do it because I'm, I'm yeah. up for anything. And honestly, I don't think it's because they're saying, hey, you're, you're in charge, you just decide. But I think it's because of where they're at mentally with like, you know, I just am ready to solve this, this problem that I've been dealing with. So let's do it. And they're ready to put like all their chips in the, in the table um, to like, let's just address this and 
whatever you think is going to help, I'm willing to try it. Those are the people who we end up seeing a lot of success with because they're just fully invested in making the change that we're trying to see happen. And, you know, I I have a similar experience with that. That's been, uh, that's how I kind of see it as well. That, you know, not, it's like, we want to be collaborative Mm -hmm. in making the decision because as I always tell people, this is your money. You've worked real hard for it. You know, I will be a good steward but ultimately it's your decision. But when they come in, they do recognize that I do have the experience and they are looking for that direction. And to be able to do that. And then, like you said, you know, we start down that road. If things need to shift, we can, but they are really looking for that guidance. And that's what we provide. What's going on, Code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physio room. That's drinklmnt.com slash physio room to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. You use the term guidance. Uh, I like to use the term plan. It's really the same thing that we're talking about. Like that's what we see when people come in our office is, you know, they're dealing with an issue. This is where they are. This is where they want to be. And there's steps along the way of how you're going to get there they're looking to us to help them create that plan. Like, cause they're not quite sure. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have wound up in our office in the first place. If they already knew the plan, well, they wouldn't need to be there cause they'd already be on their way. Um, and I feel like that's the same thing you're trying to give people is, you know, you tell me this is where you want to be when you retire or at a certain point in time, let me show you how we can get there yep. um, in a stepwise fashion. You know, and that's, and that's a great uh, point, right? Cause a lot of times I'll get people, they, you know, they'll come in and, you know, I always like to ask the question, what do you think I really do? And, you know, like nine times out of 10, it's like, well, you do investments. Yeah. And, you know, investments is just one of the areas that we look at when we look at somebody's overall financial health. Yep. Right. And it really is, you know, when we put a plan together, we have to start with a foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. And the foundation from finance financially is, you know, your cash flow, income and expenses and then risk management. You know, mm-hmm. do we have the proper, you know, you know, insurance in place, you know, for our life, for our property, for our income and our health, right? Yeah. Those things have to be addressed. Now, I don't do all of those things, right? Like, you know, there's property and casualty people, but from a financial plan standpoint, once we understand how that's set up foundationally, mm-hmm. then we can really start building out the plan. Yeah. And it's not a magic wand where we wave it and I give you this beautiful document and I say, Good luck. I hope in 50 years you make it right. (laughs) This is an ongoing living and breathing document because life changes. Things happen, you know, jobs change, family grows, um, you know, all those things. And we try to do our best over time to really always make sure that whatever your goal is, that what that the plan is addressing that and that we're on track for that. Because mm-hmm. it really isn't about, you know, some people like, well, you know, they like to look at the markets and they're like, how come the market's up? Where are we? You know, and the truth is, you know, we have to do well with those things. But ultimately is, are you on track for your plan? 
Yeah. And if you are, then that's how we're going to judge our success, yeah. you know, in all of those areas. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you started to talk about, you know, protecting, um, you know, your, your assets and things too. You mentioned insurance and casualty plans and whatnot. And we're going to talk to, uh, on this show, we're going to talk to our buddy, Matt, um, oh, awesome. about, about that topic, um, from the insurance side and how, you know, how do you protect the things that are yours in case something does happen? Yeah. Because inevitably something's going to happen. Um, you know, maybe you live in an area where, um, where you're prone to natural disasters, like a hurricane or something. How do you make sure you have the plans in place to withstand those things without setting you back for years and years to come? Um, if I could just take, yeah, a yeah. you know, when I think about planning and you, you brought up a good point, right? How much, like a lot of times clients go, well, how much do I need? You know, mm -hmm. like, cause I do life insurance and they like, how'd you come up with that number? Yep. One of the great benefits of having a financial plan in place, cause the plan is agnostic. We're going to take information in from you based on your goals, yep. start looking at, okay, you know, here's where you are. Here's the gap. This is how I came up with that number. It's not like I just yeah. pull it out of thin air and they go, oh, is he just getting paid something for that? It's really based on the information you've given me. And I think it's really valuable from a client standpoint when they can see, oh, this is how we arrived at that. Whether yeah. it be even from, you know, that's the insurance side. You know, if somebody says, uh, you know, I'm looking to retire, nobody knows if they're in their 30s when they're actually going to retire. But if we can say from a baseline, if we say this is what it, you know what it uh, costs to run your household today, then we can extrapolate out into the future, mm -hmm. right? And say just to maintain your current lifestyle, this is the savings plan that we need to kind of put in place, and that makes sense because it's like, do I need a million dollars? Do I need five million? It's really right. based on you, you know. Yeah, and I mean that makes sense in my mind of. You know, I like seeing how the plan was created. I'm a, you know, I'm not necessarily a numbers person, but I'm a science person. And I like understanding, like, how did that happen? Um, and, you know, when it comes to the body and mechanics and all that, like, I nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. So if someone can explain to me, how did you get to the number that you got to? And that, that that'll make sense totally in my mind. Um, so one thing that I also think is... Uh, similar probably between your industry and mine is I know one of the things that's often a challenge for me is when I have a client in the office and they're dealing with an issue is I find myself being like personally invested in their progress. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into whether someone is improving or not um, from a physical standpoint, sleep, stress, what they're eating, what they're not eating, drinking, smoking, you name it, you know, are they hydrated well enough? And all that's going to affect how their progress is from like a pain standpoint, say back pain, for example, we might be doing all of the right things or what we think are the right things in the clinic to help their back pain, but they still might not be getting better or getting well at the rate that like we want them to. And sometimes I like, I don't, I try not to take it personal, but I'm like, man, I really want you to improve and you're not improving as fast as, as I would like you to, and as you would like to. So like, how can we figure out where the barrier is. How do you battle that from like a financial standpoint? Like if, you know, there are bumps along the way or, you know, we go through like a recession or the market crashes or, or anything like that. How do you battle that? And how do you navigate those conversations with clients when you're working with them? Oh, you know, that's the, you know, the plan, right? It prints out, we've put everything together. And if everybody would just follow the plan, <laughs> life would be grand, right? right? But the truth is we're dealing with human beings and it's the psychology. 
right? Um, I like to use the analogy of like dieting, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people, they can go on a diet, they'll lose 20 pounds, right? They, they eat clean, but they can't sustain, yeah. right? And then the next thing they do is they go back to their old ways. It's very similar with their financial health, mm -hmm. right? It's, they'll go on what I like to call the financial diet, right? We're going to save money, no more going out. We're just going to cook every meal at home. And they do that for three or four weeks and they see a little, you know, their bank account goes up a little bit, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I always try to coach my clients and, you know, we're going to be making changes, but just like a diet, it's got to be incremental over time. Yeah. I, I always like to say, I can't go from eating Oreos to a microbiotic diet, right? I'm just not going to do it. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm a perfect example of that. But over time, if I can reduce, you know, the amount of stuff that I'm doing, yeah. eventually, just like anything else, right? It's I start to see results. Mm -hmm. I start to like feel better and I, I'm more comfortable, but it is the psychological aspect of we all have money scripts. We grew up in a certain way. Some people grew up with money. Some people didn't. Yeah. And especially then you come together as a couple, you know, and everybody brings that together. Mm -hmm. So my job um, a lot of times is really to get to the point where I understand what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying, I told you what to do, yeah. you know, why aren't you just doing it? Well, in the perfect world, we'd all be perfect, right? Yeah. That's not the way it is. So yeah. I have to take a step back and try to really understand what's going on for that person yeah. and then try to communicate in a way that they understand. And, you know, for all the time, you know, I don't want them shaming themselves over the money thing. Right. You know, we all have a lot of stuff up here. So the more that we can be real with each other, recognize that this is a process and not something that's going to be fixed overnight. I find that helps. And yeah. to your point earlier, you know, you do, you get engaged. I don't want to take it personal. Like I'm like, why won't they just do this? Yeah. You know, the reality is sometimes it takes me time to, mm -hmm. for the light to go on for me to make a change. Yeah. And I try to remember that when I'm sitting with a client that, you know, just because we talk about it today, doesn't mean like everything's fixed tomorrow. Yep. This is an ongoing process. So I try to the best of my ability to, you know, and that's why we have reoccurring meetings mm -hmm. to kind of say, hey, what are we doing to stay on track? You know, some clients in the very beginning, I might have a weekly call with them just because they are so overwhelmed with like, this seems too much. And I try to break it down into small bite-sized pieces. Yep. And by doing that and really getting them to see, wow, I've got some momentum. I am doing some things differently. This feels good. You know, I joke yeah. a lot of times. I'm like the neighborhood priest. I've heard it all. Because a lot of times what I've noticed is people will come in, they, they feel like they should know more about this than they do. Um, they feel like they should have started or done a lot of things differently. But the truth is, most of us have made mistakes. And I share some of my financial mistakes along the way that I've made in my life yep. based on emotional decisions, things like that. So it really puts people at ease like nobody's perfect. We all think, right? Everybody else is doing this right. The truth is, everybody's got their challenges. This is yours. Let's work on yours. You're, you're, you're taking the time now to address it. Let's move forward. Yeah. And I think I fell into that situation where, you know, I felt like I got kind of my start into like setting up some of these plans and uh, accounts for saving and whatnot, like at a, at a late stage. But then as I've talked to other people in the same shoes as you, I've found out that maybe that's not the case, but that's how I felt at the time. Like, man, I should have been doing this a long time ago, but you're totally right that like all of the stuff 
that, um, you know, that you grew up with all the different inputs and stuff, like how you were raised, how your parents, whatever their financial, um, acumen or the way that they did things was like that affects your mindset dramatically. And, um, and yeah, it's like you said, the relationship and the trust that you have to have established, you know, people may make decisions and maybe they share some things with you. Maybe they don't share all of the decisions with you or all of their psychology with you. You know, we see that on the, on the physical therapy and healthcare side where we may give, uh, our client a plan of like, Hey, here are the five things that I want you to do outside of the office until the next time I see you, I want you to do them once a day, you know, so then maybe they come back and maybe they have not done those things, but maybe they tell us they have. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're maybe ashamed to tell us, oh, I didn't do the things you asked me to do. And now my back still hurts. But if we don't have the trust established between each other, they may not tell me that they haven't done those things, but I need to know that in order to help them because otherwise I'm just assuming the things I gave them, oh, those must not have worked. Cause if you've been doing them, maybe I gave you the wrong thing. So then we end up like potentially changing the plan over and over when really maybe we could have left it in place and just had a conversation about, Hey, what are the barriers to why you weren't able to, to complete the things I asked you to do? Cause maybe I need to change how I'm approaching that. You know, maybe it's they're they're so busy with their kids. I didn't have I didn't have the time, but it's because of, you know, my kid was sick from school or something like that. And it's like, okay, maybe we don't need to change what I'm having you do, but how we're going about accomplishing it or something like that. So you know, it uh it's funny when you were talking about that, it got me to think a lot of times when I work with a client when we're starting out, you know, I yeah. like to ask them to give me uh, to the best of their ability, what their expenses are. You know, I give them mm-hmm. a budget worksheet. They kind of fill it out. And I take that plus what their income is. And I'll kind of sometimes say, hey, it looks like you have a surplus of X. Do you have that in your bank account each month? And they're like, uh, no, yeah. I do not. And so I always <laughs> like to say, because we have to find where we're leaking, right? Yeah. And that it's just funny when you said that. I was like, oh my God. So many times people come in and they say, Oh, I think my expenses are three thousand a month, and they're making X. And I'm like, oh, you should have, you know, fifteen hundred a month extra. They're like, no, we're in the red, you yeah. know. And they, so there's they, no extra. Yeah, there is no extra. So we have to find out where that is and why that is, you know. Yeah. And to your point, it's that back and forth with the client. You know, we try to use technology, right? We can link accounts and you know get a you know uh, a bird's eye view into what's going on in real time mm-hmm. and. But, you know, at the same time, it, technology doesn't fix it. Right. It's it's like the whole thing, right? I got to be able to, one, you have to be engaged. Two, as we start to build that trust, you know, look at what are some things that we can do to kind of help get it to where we can see everything, mm-hmm. right? Same thing, you know, like uh, a lot of times I'll say to a client, okay, here, do this. You know, let's look at it in a month you know, and see, like, if we're trying to reduce spending, like, right. if you're spending 500 a week, let's see if you can live on 400, is it a 450, you know, whatever the number is that we come up with. And how does that feel? You know, and then, you know, I've learned now I try to check in, I don't wait for the month, I try to check in a little earlier, because sometimes it's like, Oh, my God, things happened, or I was so busy, I didn't get started. And then they feel guilty, right. And the last yeah. thing I want is for them not like to disengage because of guilt and shame and stuff. Yeah, this totally. is a long, you know, this is for the long haul. Yeah. So, and I think this is what you started to touch on, you know, tracking expenses and whatnot, trying to figure out, is there a surplus? Is there not a surplus? Like, are you in a deficit? What, what would your response be? Cause I, I have a feeling 
Um, you know, we live out here in Colorado. The housing market is going nuts. Homes are costing a lot of money. Uh, if you're like me, you came out of school with a lot of debt accrued, student loans. Like, what do you say to somebody who maybe thinks that they're not in a place in their life where they can start um, working with someone like yourself, like a financial advisor, because they say, you know, I don't have enough money to save for the future because I'm barely getting by as it is. Like, how do you, how do you handle that situation? So, um, and I get that, like I said, in the very beginning, right? Everybody yeah, says to me, Oh, Jimmy, when I get some money, I'll come and see you. Right. And the truth is there's, there's no charge to sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And my goal always in the very beginning is just to kind of see where are you at? What's keeping you up at night? Um, a lot of times, uh, and I'm sure you understand this, we, we take things and we put it in our head and it starts spinning and it's like, we make it really worse than it truly is. Yeah. So sometimes the, the value that I can bring is kind of, well, let's look at it realistically. Let's put it out on the table. Let's sh- you know shine the light of day on it and see really where you are. And then from there, we can make some decisions because you're right. There are some times where somebody comes in and there's not a lot of extra. But just setting up that plan of here's what we're going to start saving and here's how we're going to do that gives them some hope. Then, as you know, it's kind of like with your physical health. Once you start somewhere, next thing you know, like, oh, I think I can tackle this area. And now all of a sudden, what went from I have nothing to, wow, we really are starting to accumulate some things. And, you know, sometimes we have to have hard conversations Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of, you know, that you're young, you're out of school, you know, you're making decent money, but you're also, you know, maybe living uh, in a a lifestyle that you really truly can't afford. And so it comes down to having those conversations with you. What is most important? Yeah. Because, you know, yes, it's nice that we get to go out and we can do these nice things, but when we really don't have anything set aside for like an emergency, Mm -hmm. that's probably not the best decisions. I also yeah. like the joke. I'm like, I'm not your dad. I'm not going to tell you how you can and can't spend your money, right? right? But I can help you understand the consequences of those decisions yeah. as those come up. And you'd be amazed. Like when you sit down, it's not painful. Um, when we start to try to make adjustments. And I think sometimes when it's up in our head, it's like catast- it becomes catastrophic. And we're like, it's never going to get better. I'll just keep, <laughs> you know what? Maybe in a year or two, I'll go see somebody like that. But if I just keep my head down, work hard, hopefully things will work out. Yeah. And that's just not a great strategy. And that's my overall goal is always from an education standpoint is, you know, coming to see an advisor. It's not just for the rich and famous. Yeah. You know, that's, I, you know, that's where I came up with my brand blue collar. I recognize that most regular people, right? We're out there, we're working hard we need advice. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's my job to bring that to the table to people who yeah. really, you know, they don't think they can afford it, but truly it is a conversation that they need to have. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, everybody needs my advice. Not everybody wants it. No, that's you know, right. That's, that's well, the truth. <laughs> and I feel the same way. I feel the same way about me. I feel like I can, or, or our business, I feel like we can provide advice to everybody. Maybe everybody doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. But, um, but no, and I love the the name blue collar because like you just said, financial advice advice is not just for the rich and the famous. And, you know, your, your uh, name kind of encompasses the majority of people, yeah. right? Because most people are quote, you know, just normal people. We're not the 1% or, or we're not the very, very bottom 1%. Most people find themselves somewhere in the middle. And, um, 
And yeah, I think, I mean, you use the term strategy. We're going to talk a lot about strategies on this, uh, on this podcast, because, you know, it's all about like creating a plan that's unique to you and helps your situation because your situation and your strategy for how you save in this case, or set yourself up for, for the future might not be the same as what someone else is, even if you're making the same amount of money Mm -hmm. as that person, your strategy might look different because you're different people with different goals and different lifestyles. I know I'm a, uh, my wife and I, like we're much more big experienced people rather than material things, people. So you'll probably never see me driving the, the most expensive or fanciest car. That's just not something that's that important to me. I don't really care as long as it's safe and it gets me from A to B, that's what I need it to be. And, you know, when we start having kids, as long as my vehicle's safe for those kids, I don't care if it costs $100,000 or $30,000. I want to spend my money on other things, Yeah, on going and taking a trip with the family or on buying something for, you know, for my mom or my dad or something like, not for me. I don't care if I have the nicest, the nicest things. Um, so in that, in, in that sort of situation, this leads me to another question for you. You know, how do you, uh, adapt your plan when people's life circumstances change and not, you know, you don't have to go into like a individual answer, like for me or anyone else, but maybe you start working with someone who they're single, they have no kids and, you know, you put some strategies in place, but then their life starts to change. They meet the, the love of their life. They never thought they were going to have kids. Now their plan changes. Oh, we have a baby on the way. How do you work with them to adapt their plan based on when their life changes? Well, that's, uh, and I said this earlier, you know, uh, a financial plan is not a one and done document, right? Mm -hmm. It is really, I like to say, it's like a living, breathing uh, entity that it changes as your life changes. So when we start out, like you said, you know, maybe somebody is single. So we want to make sure that they have cash reserves set aside out of the gate, right? Because they're their they're only income. You know, they want to make sure they have things in place. Um, they start saving for the long-term future. Maybe they have goals of uh, buying a house. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what the goal is. Then we look at, based on that goal, what's the best way to achieve that and look at what's in the tool bag, if you will, to, to meet that goal's need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, life changes, right? Now we're going to get married. So now we're thinking about two people, you know, so that comes together. Uh, you know, a lot of times, and, and it always seems to come up with life insurance. Mm-hmm. People are like, ah, I don't need life insurance. As you know, life insurance companies are in the business of they make money, yeah. but they have actuarial tables, right? So, but if you're 25 or 30 and in really good health, you're going to be, you'll have a lower premium because sure. they know that you're going to live a long time. So sometimes, and this is the value of a plan. If you know, like maybe you're not going to have a child, you know, maybe you're not planning on it, let's say yeah. in the next year or two, but you're young. And based on your overall strategy, you know, the strategy for your plan, we might look at, even though right now it might not be necessary that you have the life insurance, but getting you approved at a younger age guarantees mm-hmm. insurability for older. So that's yeah. how the strategy of that would work. It yeah. doesn't, I don't want to just say, oh, get life insurance, but knowing that you might have a child in two years, we want to get you, if you will, underwritten now. Mm-hmm. while you're healthy, because that's going to lower the expense long term. Yeah. So that's like an example of how I would look at something strategically, yeah. where maybe, you know, 
do you actually need it right now? Probably not. But knowing that this is a goal and we can always change it if it, if that goal does change. Yeah. Right. Those kind of things. Um, does that. Yeah. Kind of- yeah. No, that makes sense. It, it you know, it kind of sounds like um, I don't want to say, you know, you're working the system, but in a way you kind of yeah. are. It's like you're taking advantage of your situation. Right. If you know, if you're young and healthy, like you just said, your premium for some of these things is going to be lower. And I mean, why, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? It's, it's kind of the same to me as thinking about, um, you know, health insurance is, you know, a lot of times the, the way, the reason that health insurance premiums are set that the way they are is because the health insurance organizations are making sure that they have the money in the bank to pay for the people that are really using the, the healthcare industry. You know, they're on a host of medications, they're going into the doctor, spending, spending their money on taking care of illnesses or, or diseases or something that they might have conditions. Um, and what I always tell people is like, you will either make the choice to invest in your health now at a younger age, or you will be forced to pay for your sickness later. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like you Absolutely. can make the choice to reserve some of the funds and set yourself up for success down the road, or you're going to find yourself in a bind you, down the road. You, and you know, the, the sad fact is there are a lot of people that are in really financially poor situations, not always a hundred percent, like they just made every bad life choice, mm-hmm. but just thinking like things will get better. Uh, I know I'll, it'll be different in a few years and yeah. time goes by, you know, and it really, you know, it doesn't get better. And, yeah. you know, like you said, I, we can't fix everybody's problem. Like I don't have a magic wand. I don't make money out of nothing. But I, you know, we try to do the best we can. And the sooner somebody starts, the more, the better chance they have for success. But even if you're in your forties or fifties, if you haven't started, it's still better to do that because look at longevity now, right? Yeah. You know, we're going to live, like we know 25% of the population is going to live to a hundred. We just don't know which 25%. So if you're in your fifties and you really haven't started, it doesn't mean it's over. At least you can go from here. And then how can we shore up and give you the best possible chance mm-hmm. based on those circumstances to kind of make it to the end of the game without running out? That's right. You know, and that's. Yeah. So it's not like it's not over, but, you know, better if you, you know, as the, you know, everybody says, you know, our parent, we all know our parents told us put money away. As soon as you start your first job, pay yourself first, all of mm-hmm. those things. This isn't new, but. It's, you know, life is complicated, right? We get busy and sometimes we think I'll start in a few years. You know, this is my first job. I want to enjoy it. I'm making money for the first time. But the more that we can do that, you know, the younger we are, the better, you know, the chance for long-term success. But it doesn't mean the game is over if you haven't done it and you're starting later. Yeah. Yeah. You used the term consequences earlier. And I think a lot of times consequences, the term gets, um, you know, it has a negative connotation, like something bad is happening, but consequences can be positive too. And you said you're part of your job as an advisor is to help people understand the potential consequences of their decisions before they make them, whether those are good uh, results or, or potentially poor ones, um, that, that come as a result of those decisions. But, um, but yeah, that, that just sort of made me think, I was just sitting here thinking about living to a hundred years old. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. Uh, I guess it depends for me. I better be in great shape for that. <laughs> what, I want to be, yeah. What kind of shape am I in uh, yeah. in my nineties or however old I live to, um, but that I want to enjoy the quality. That's yeah. it. Right. But that's why if you take care of your body mm-hmm. to the best of your ability, 
you will enjoy those later years right. in life. That's right. And same thing with your finances. It doesn't mean like you can't enjoy life. You know, if I, if you come to see me, it's not like you're never having fun anymore. You're never going on. No, we want to identify what it is, but get you to, you know, do some smart things with your money so that down the road, mm-hmm. you're living comfortably. That's right. And you, my job is really to help, you know, for you to maintain your independence. Because the last thing any of us want is to be dependent upon our children, right? We joke about it, like, oh, my kids will take care of me. Yeah. And I always think, <laughs> do I really want my youngest daughter <laughs> overseeing anything with my health down the road? I'm not sure about that just now. Yeah. But the more that we can do today to, you know, say, you know, when I say save, to ensure or put in the foundation for our future, the better off we're all going to be. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, a lot of times, and I was thinking about this, you know, people will come in and see me and, um, like I said earlier, you know, they think, oh, I should know more about this. Um, or they like, God, you know, I try to look up, uh, you know, read up on this stuff and, you know, investments and, you know, all this savings. stuff. Yeah. I, I just I don't even care. You know, yeah. they really don't. But they feel bad for not. And I and so I always like I use this analogy when I'm talking with them. I said, you know, we all learned how to drive a car yeah. right when we were in high school. Right. We took driver's ed. We learned how to operate the car safely, you know, how to check the oil, fill the gas, check the tires, things like that. But you didn't have to become an auto mechanic to drive. And the same is true with your financial health, right? You do not need to become a financial advisor. My job is, though, to help you understand the vehicle that, if you will, like the financial vehicle that we put you in. How does that financial vehicle work? What is the, you know, how does it operate? And it's important that you understand that because it is your money. You don't want to just go, uh, yeah, it sounds like Jimmy knows what he's doing. Like, and I am, I'm good at what I do, but it's important. And my job is to educate you. Yeah. Right. So that you understand why we, why are we in this investment vehicle, how it works and why we're doing it and what kind of change, what we're going to look for if we need to make some changes. Totally. But by doing that, people kind of go, oh, that makes sense because they do know how to drive. But, you know, they can't replace their engine. They don't know how to you yeah. know, do any of that stuff, but they operate. And that's the yeah. same. The same is true with your financial. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in a in a household where I have a, a father who very much is blue collar, just just like the name. Um, and he is an extreme handyman. Like he can do so much stuff on his own, whether that be fixing cars or doing things to the house or this and that. And it really took like, that's kind of how I got used. I didn't learn all the stuff from him because I was busy going playing sports and uh, playing video games when I was younger. And I just always wanted to be doing something, not taking the time to learn from dad. But it really took me a mindset change to to like get behind what you just laid out and what you just um, portrayed there, because I used to be that person where I thought like, I want to learn how to like do this all on my own because one, I feel like I should know how to do this stuff. I hear some of my friends talking about investing and buying stocks of this and that. Oh, I don't know what they're talking about. But um, also part of the reason was I feel like it's going to be cheaper if I do it my own rather than paying someone else for this. But it really took a mindset shift for me to realize, look, I went to school for a particular expertise in, in healthcare. I did not go to school to be an auto mechanic or to be a financial advisor nor do I want to be, right? Like, that's not what I'm passionate about. I want to invest in the help of someone else who is passionate about and has the expertise in that because even though it might cost me a little more in the long run, it's going to benefit, like they're going to save me more in the long run too and 
paying them is essentially paying myself too. Like, um, but that was a hard thing for me to get over at the time until I finally like started putting these puzzle pieces together. Like, look, I could paint my whole house and it would take a lot longer. I probably wouldn't do as good of a job as a professional painting company. Um, yeah, I'll pay them a little bit more to do it, but they're going to do a better job. It's going to get done so much faster than if I do it myself. I'm going to have much less stress over it because I don't have to do it and I don't have to stand at the store and figure out all these colors and all this stuff. And, um, it was like a no brainer to me. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. That's where I go from that. No, it's, uh, you know, when you think about that, you know, you know, time and money, we hear all those things. And, you know, one of the values that I bring, uh, when I'm working with clients, it's that behavioral finance, right? Mm -hmm. Because, what truly happens, um, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head, I should, I should do this myself. It will be cheaper and all of those things. But when we watch, and there was a, a study done by Vanguard. So if I, you know people know Vanguard, they're a no-load fund, and they did a thing of the value of having an advisor. Because what, what happens is, and you see it with market volatility, right? Um, somebody invests in, you know, just say, ABC fund. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's at the top tier, they're doing well, but then the next year it's at kind of towards the bottom. So what happens? The client bought high because the fund was doing well. Yeah. Right. And then when it went down towards the bottom tier, they got scared and they sold for a loss. Right. So yeah. they bought high, sold low, which is the opposite, right? You're supposed to what you want to do. buy yeah. low, sell high. And, you know, I mean, it sounds so easy but the truth is we watch the news and it's like Armageddon out there. Like, oh my God, yeah. the world's coming to an end. And so what do clients do? You know, they're in their thirties or forties. The truth is you're not retiring for another 20 or 30 years. You're going to see two or three more presidents. So it really doesn't matter. I, I, when I say this, we pay attention, but truly it doesn't matter what they do today because your money has time. Yeah. And, but what do people do? They get, they, they get wrapped up in fear and we don't make great decisions when we're in fear, right? right? We're fear like the fear of loss. Oh my God, I'm going to lose all this. Even when you look at, and a great example of that was, you know, uh, 2008, nine, right? Now I'm not talking about people who, you know, lost their jobs and truly had to do whatever it took just to keep their family going. I'm talking about the people that, you know, they were okay, that now they were watching the markets. The markets dropped 50%. That is not palatable, right? But if you didn't make if you didn't make a decision in fear, right? You you held the course that your money was back in less than 17 months. So it was less than two years, you were back to where you were, right? Yeah. Now, a lot of people, what happened was the markets are coming down, the fear monger is going on, and, yep. and they just the noise, they, they can't keep the noise out, and they sold when it was 20, 30. Some still haven't gotten back in, right? They were yeah. that afraid, and they can never recover from that. Yeah. And so, like a lot of times, I like to say my job is to keep the clients in, close the window, stay off the ledge. Yep. We're going to work through this. And that's where having the conversations, having a plan and saying, look, I know this is uncomfortable. I know that what's going on in the markets right now does not feel good, doesn't look good. But here's the deal. You're still on track. You know, we, we, we're, not, we're not underwater. We're not going to make any crazy decisions today. Because yeah. like I said, it will change. Right. You know, it doesn't mean set and forget and never look at things. But at the same time, it's not every time you turn the news on, call up and go sell, sell. Like, that's the worst thing we can do. Yeah. 
And you even hear some of the big money people, like when the markets are down, those are opportunities to get in because now you're buying, you know, you're getting into the market low. so low. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, I'd like to say it's always about, you know, everybody loves when the markets are up and they're like, oh, Jimmy, thank you. You know, they actually don't call you when the markets are up. <laughs> they, like, they're happy that the markets are up. But when do I get to call it? My pound's down 10%. Yep. And that's when we have to have that conversation. Like, it's okay. I've taken a couple of calls, you know, recently because of inflation. And they want to know, like, what should we do? And, you know, it's not, a, a you know, a, just a blanket answer. But the first thing is we have time. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not selling out of everything because of this. We're paying attention. Mm-hmm. We're going to see how this kind of plays out. You know, the the Fed, or, you know, things that are, you know, in play. But ultimately, it is we're on track, right? You yeah. know, this is what your goal is. It's not you're not retiring this week. You're not retiring this year. Yeah. So we're okay, and we have time, and we're situated to weather the storm. I guess that's the you know when you really look at when a financial plan, it doesn't fix everything, but what it does is it allows you when you're in these tumultuous times to kind of weather that storm to go okay. I know where we're going. This is uncomfortable, but we can adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think that what you just laid out is like a great kind of summary of the conversation that we just had and like, in a way, kind of wraps it all up. Um, So obviously, uh, you guys who are listening to this, your time is valuable. Jimmy, what I want to know is if people want to find out more information from you um, or if they want to, you know, get a hold of you or anything like that? Like where can people contact you? How do they get a hold of you? Sure. So my website is bluecollarfinancialadvisors.com. I can be found on LinkedIn. Link, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. I can speak. See, that's the speech impediment. Um, at Jim Malloy, and that's M-O-L-L-O-Y. Um, also, my email is jimmy at bluecollarfa.com. And uh, yeah, if anybody has questions or, you know, anything comes from the show, please. I mean, there's no cause to have a conversation and I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And then I want to close this out, Jimmy, you've got an awesome kind of tagline that just kind of summarizes everything that you just talked about. So let's hear it. All right. Remember, growing old is mandatory, doing it well, optional. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of The Code. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jimmy. We'll see you guys right back here next time. Have a great day.